Welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast. My name is Jessica Mujis, and I'm the founder of Gem Yoga here in New York City and a kids yoga teacher for over 10 years now. Welcome to episode two. What is kids yoga? First, I wanted to talk about what yoga is in general. We have to start from the beginning. In order to understand kids yoga, we first have to take a look at what the practice of yoga is. So here in New York City and in the United States, yoga is generally thought of as a form of exercise. So the yoga poses are familiar for people. Um, I think I've also heard people say they think yoga is meditation because we often see pictures of yogis sitting in what's called full lotus, so legs are crossed, eyes are closed, maybe the hands are in a special pose called a mudra, and we're meditating. So that's another image uh, we have of yoga here in the U.S. Um, So those are two parts of yoga, yes, but definitely don't give us the full picture. So What is yoga? Yoga is the ancient practice of calming the chatter of the mind. The word yoga is derived from the Sanskrit word for union or to yoke, to bring things together. In yoga, we unite many things. We unite our body with our mind. We unite the breath with our movement. We focus on our breathing. We find connection with others, connection with our own body, connection with our emotions. And yoga actually includes eight limbs. The limbs you can think of as branches of a tree. So if you can picture a big tree and the trunk of the tree is yoga. And then as we go up the tree, we have eight separate branches that are growing out of this one practice of yoga. Each of these eight branches are just as important as the other. They all contribute to the full practice of yoga. Okay, so the eight limbs of yoga. The first limb or the first branch in this tree that we're picturing is pranayama. Pranayama is translated to mean breath control. So these are the breathing exercises that we see or practice in a yoga class. In a kid's yoga class, this is a very important element because how we breathe can change how we feel. It's a very simple concept, but if you can imagine as a child learning How I breathe can change how I feel. And having that kind of implanted in your brain at a young age, that's a powerful, powerful thing. So pranayama, breath control. Our second limb are the asana or the yoga poses. So downward facing dog, mountain pose when you see 
people just standing up nice and tall with their feet underneath them, grounded, shoulders open, maybe hands are at the heart center. This is called mountain pose. There are countless yoga poses. And this is probably the most popular part of yoga and what people um, tend to think about. I can't tell you how often I hear people say, I can't do yoga. I can't even touch my toes. Or like, I can't do yoga. I don't want to go upside down and do all those crazy poses that you see on Instagram. So the yoga poses are just one branch of this tree of yoga. They're important, but they're not the only part. And guess what? You do not have to be able to touch your toes. You do not have to be able to or even have a desire to go upside down. There are seated poses. There are forward bending poses. There are back bending poses. There are standing poses. There is my favorite pose, Shavasana, which is a pose at the end of class where you lay on your mat. You release your whole body and you just exist. Arguably, it's one of the most important poses in yoga. So just keep in mind that these poses are important. They're fun. Kids love them. You'll be surprised how naturally some of these poses may come to them. They may not. Some kids will like the breathing better. But yoga poses are just one branch in our yoga tree. So our next branch or limb of yoga extending out of our yoga tree are the yamas. The yamas are external disciplines. So there are five different concepts that cover different ways of basically relating to the world. Branch number four are the niyamas. So we've got five more principles that are more internally focused. So the yamas and niyamas together, we've got 10 different concepts, all of them equally fascinating um, and all of them important to the practice of yoga. Next, we're on number five. So the fifth branch, it's called pratyahara. And what it means is withdrawing the senses. Okay, what does that mean, withdrawing the senses? So as you know, we've got our senses. We've got our sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. And pratyahara is a practice of taking away our senses to go internal. So for example, let's say we are in shavasana, the pose I mentioned, laying on our mat at the end of a yoga class, Eyes are closed, right? So we're withdrawing our sight so we can go inside. Now, maybe there's music playing. So we're using our ears, but maybe that song is just an instrumental. So it's kind of calming. So eyes are closed, that senses away. Ears are, are working, but not working too hard. The practice of Pratyahara is eventually getting to the point where we can kind of go inside and not pay attention to all the 
things around us, the sights, the sounds, the sensations. So this is an interesting concept. It's a tough one, but I, in future episodes, can tell you a little bit about how this can be applied to children's classes. Okay, so here we are on branch number six, Dirana, which is translated as concentration, or we could use the word mindfulness. So mindfulness is taking all of our attention and putting it on exactly what we're doing in that moment. So, for example, this podcast. Here I am recording this podcast, and I am taking all of my attention, and I'm putting it on these words that I'm saying to you. Um, Human minds wander. That's just the way they are. So maybe while I'm talking to you, my mind's going, oh no, my son Ryan is taking a nap in the other room. He might wake up at any moment. What will I do? But then as soon as that thought enters, I bring it back. I kind of focus on my breath and I bring it back to the podcast. That's just an example. I've got my dog Romeo here who, if you listen to the first episode I mentioned, he is breathing right at my side. He's a Rhodesian Ridgeback. He likes to do his yoga breaths. So he's sleeping and breathing extremely deeply. You might even hear him at some point. So my mind might wander over to him, notice him, and I bring it back. So mindfulness is taking your attention and being deliberate with it and focusing it on what you're doing in the moment, dharana. The next branch, number seven, is dhyana, which is meditation. So all of those yoga poses... Uh, some that I mentioned, all of these poses we do are actually designed so that you are able to sit comfortably in meditation. Have you ever tried to just sit still, cross-legged, and attempted to meditate? So many people say, like, "I I couldn't do it, my mind's too crazy, I couldn't stay still, it was so uncomfortable. So, This is totally relatable. I think we can all understand what it's like to have what we call the monkey mind, this crazy mind where your thoughts are like a monkey swinging from branch to branch to branch to branch and it just doesn't stop. So sitting can be really hard. So our yoga poses help us get to the point where we might be able to sit uh, more comfortably You do not have to sit cross-legged, by the way, to meditate. You don't have to sit in the center of the room on a cushion. Uh, Just want to note, you can sit comfortably. You can support your back. You could sit in a chair. You could put pillows behind you. Just want to say that. But it is true that all of these poses are helpful in preparing your body so you're able to sit comfortably in meditation. Dhyana. Finally, we're on our last branch, number eight, samadhi, union, integration, joy, peace. These are all different ways of seeing it. I believe that when you have a yoga practice 
and you're trying out all these things, there are moments when you might feel a touch of that samadhi. This is not to say that if you practice yoga, you're just going to live in a state of bliss and never feel any other emotions again. No way. We are day-to-day people. We're living normal lives. We're busy. There's a lot going on in our world. But what yoga can do is bring these moments, just these little moments of clarity, of joy, of kind of revelation sometimes, feeling more connected to yourself. Um, Sometimes you'll be laying in shavasana and something just occurs to you, a problem you've been having, maybe suddenly it becomes clear. So samadhi is our eighth branch off the tree and it's union. It's bringing all of these concepts together to create a happier person. So that's ultimately our goal. Yoga helps us feel good. So when you're teaching yoga to children and you're describing what yoga is on that first day, you could simply say, yoga helps us feel good. It helps us feel good in our heart. It helps us feel good in our mind. And it helps us feel good in our body. Okay, so I gave you these eight different limbs, right? So there's eight limbs of yoga. Great. But you might be asking yourself, okay, but how does this exactly apply to a kid's yoga class? You know, some of these concepts seem really um, complicated or something that might be too much for kids. How do we bring all this into a class? Well, I wanted to touch on how you can, in a practical sense, introduce some of these limbs of yoga to children. I decided to just choose five of them because that just simplifies things, but just keep in mind all eight limbs, all eight branches of this tree of yoga that I'm describing are going to be a part of your class in one way or another. It's just whether we are outwardly talking about it or being really intentional about it, but all eight of these are important. I'm going to focus on breath, poses, the rules or the concepts of the yamas and the niyamas, mindfulness, and meditation. These, I have found, are very applicable to any kids' yoga class, and I can even give you some concrete examples of how these can be applied. Okay, so let's start with breath. How do you teach children about pranayama or breathing? First of all, you don't have to use the Sanskrit words. You do not have to say pranayama to children unless you want to, unless that's something you're passionate about. If you love using the Sanskrit words, go for it. Otherwise, we just say, okay, we're going to do some breathing. Very, very simple breath to start. Belly breathing. So I'd like everyone to try this with me that's listening. If you're not driving or you're not walking and pushing a stroller, that's kind of how I listen to podcasts sometimes. Um, If you've got your hands free and you can, take your hands, put them on your belly and take a deep breath 
in through your nose and out through your mouth. And try that one more time. Deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. I hope that breathing didn't sound too creepy on a podcast. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so if we all did that together, I want you to ask yourself what did you notice? What happened to your belly? When you were inhaling, breathing in, what happened when you exhaled and you breathed out? So if you led children through this, you might ask them that question. They might say, oh, my belly got bigger when I breathed in, or I felt my belly moving, or my hands moved, whatever it might be. Belly breathing is calming and centering because we're stopping we're being intentional, we have our hands on our body, and we're noticing our breath. That is our first step to breath control, first noticing your breath. The next branch on our yoga tree is asana, or the yoga poses. So the yoga poses are probably the most recognizable part of a yoga practice to most people. And this is going to be a very important part of your kid's yoga class. Or if you're sharing yoga with your children at home, I definitely recommend showing them some of the yoga poses. Um, this is going to range the kinds of poses you do. There are so many yoga poses, and mostly they're just a ton of fun for kids to try. And a lot of them are super energy releasing. So, you know, sometimes you'll teach a yoga class, say it's for children after school. They've got tons of pent up energy. Maybe they've been sitting around a lot during the day and they just need to move. Or the same could go for your children. They get back from school. Maybe they just have a ton of energy stirring. So there are so many yoga poses you can try. I'm not going to start listing poses right now on the podcast, but what I will do is tell you the best way I have found to introduce children to yoga poses, and that's through a theme. So your theme could be a trip to the zoo, or a ride in a safari, or going to the beach, or visiting Central Park, whatever it might be, if you choose a fun theme that kind of groups the poses together into a story, children will be totally into it. What I like to do is choose a storybook and bring that to class. And then that storybook will serve as the basis for our yoga adventure. So if anyone's familiar with the book Brown Bear, Brown Bear, this is by Eric Carle. I highly recommend his books for young children especially. Um, the illustrations are really vibrant. He wrote The Very Hungry Caterpillar, which a lot of people know. But his book, Brown Bear, Brown Bear, What Do You See?, has a series of animals in the book. Animals are going to be 
a great starting point for your yoga classes because so many of the poses are already based on the way animals move. So down dog, for instance, if you've ever seen a dog stand up and stretch, you'll see, oh, that's where down dog comes from. (laughs) That kind of stretching through the arms and reaching through their neck and they stretch their tail back. So say you have the book Brown Bear, Brown Bear, bring that to class or read it to your child. It starts, Brown Bear, Brown Bear, what do you see? I see a red bird looking at me. Bingo, you got brown bear. You could do bear pose. Maybe your bear pose is walking on the hands and the feet and using all fours and trudging around the room. Then we go to bird. Maybe your bird pose is balancing on one foot with your arms extended out. So we're starting to balance, which is a really great concept to bring into yoga. So you probably get the idea. Go through the book, use these animals and illustrations as inspiration for how the children can move their body. Okay, so the next branch on our yoga tree, I'm actually going to combine two. So if you remember, I mentioned the yamas and the niyamas, which are essentially concepts that we can think about and attempt to live by when we practice yoga. So there are 10 of them all together. I'm going to use one as an example today, ahimsa. So that means non-harming. Okay, how do we bring this concept of ahimsa into a kid's yoga environment? First of all, keeping this thought in your mind, non-harming. So how you're treating yourself, how you're treating the children. For example, say you're leading a class, it's not going as you planned, it's just taking a turn and you start talking to yourself, oh, what are you doing? You're not good at this. And you start having these harmful thoughts towards yourself. Okay, pause there. Remember ahimsa, non-harming, extend kindness to yourself, just like you're extending kindness to the children in the room. Take a breath. Okay, let's shift. Let's try something else, right? So seeing things differently. You can also bring this out very concretely to the children by letting them know that in yoga, we treat ourselves kindly, and we treat others kindly as well. In addition, you might extend that towards the space you're teaching in. How are the mats arranged? Are we using some props in class? Are we allowed to throw them around and not treat them with respect? No, so in yoga, we practice ahimsa. We're kind to ourselves, we're kind to others, we're kind to the space we're in, and we have respect. So that's just one example of how the yamas and the niyamas might come into play in your kid's yoga class. Okay, just two more. If you're still listening, I am so grateful. So we've got dirana, mindfulness being in the present moment. So I talked about this a little bit earlier, 
But in terms of specifically how we bring this into a children's class, well, we notice our body in the pose. We ask questions. How does this pose feel to you? Where do you feel the stretch in the pose? Or maybe you've done a breathing exercise and afterwards you ask, how do you feel now that we did that breathing exercise compared to how you felt before? Do you notice a change? How does it feel in your body? How does it feel in your mind? And one of my favorites is to ask, what's your internal weather report? What's your weather report today for your body? So what's your body telling you? I find my daughter, Emily, who just turned four this past week, um, I find that it's so intuitive for her to describe what she's feeling in her body. Children just innately understand what you mean. So if I were to ask, how's your body feeling today? What's the weather like? Is it stormy? Is it sunny? Is the sky clear? Or are there lots of clouds? If you were to stop right now, close your eyes, just kind of scan your body. How's your body feeling? What's the weather like for you today? So if you're interested more in this concept of dirana or mindfulness, there are two book recommendations I'll make. The first is called The Mindful Child by Susan Kaiser Greenland. This book I read about 10 years ago when I first started teaching children's yoga, and it was a complete game changer for me. I myself was not too familiar with what mindfulness was. So to learn about it through the perspective of teaching children mindfulness was really amazing and very inspiring. And to this day, I take a lot of what I've learned from Susan Kaiser Greenland into my classes. The second book I'd recommend is called Planting Seeds. And that's by the Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, along with some co-writers, and it's an excellent book. It gives you some fun exercises you could try at home or you could try in your classes and kind of is a good beginner book for mindfulness practice in general. The last branch of yoga that is definitely helpful to have in your kids' yoga classes is dhyana, also known as meditation. So we all know what the mind is like, right? It's kind of chaotic. There's a lot going on in the mind. And meditation is simply a way of being able to sit with what is. And rather than get swept away in that monkey mind I talked about, where the monkey is swinging branch to branch to branch to branch and not stopping, we observe the mind instead. So then we notice what's happening. We don't get swept into all the thoughts and see them as being so real. We start to sit back, observe, and realize that, oh, okay, those are just thoughts. These thoughts do not define me. They're not who I am. They are separate from me. 
that sounds great, right? But how do you teach that to children? Well, there's a lot of ways that children can begin to meditate. The one I wanted to focus on in this introductory episode is visualization. This is great for adults too, by the way. So a visualization is basically a story that you'll talk the children through. I like to have meditation happen during that last pose, Shavasana, while the children are laying down. Just because it's a comfortable position, they're not trying to sit up and feel super uncomfortable. By the way, if you do want to do a seated meditation with children, I recommend having them sit against the wall so their back is supported, so they don't feel the need to be um, trying to hold themselves up and feel super uncomfortable. So just think comfort is key. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It's what it feels like. So visualization. An example of a visualization would be a beach visualization. So let's imagine you've got your child or the kids you're teaching class to laying in Shavasana. We want to set the tone. So lights are off or dimmed if you can. Very calming music is playing. Children's eyes are closed. Give them the option to keep them open if that makes them feel safer. But in general, we might ask the children to close their eyes if they feel comfortable and listen to the sound of my voice. Here we are on a beautiful sunny day. We're at the beach. The ocean waves are crashing. The sun is shining. It's nice and warm. There's nowhere we have to be. There's nothing we have to do except just be here now on this beautiful beach. What do you see around you on this beach? Are there other people there? Or are you alone? Do you see birds flying in the sky? What does the air smell like? Does it smell crisp and clean? Or do you smell the ocean? Take a deep breath. Just lay here on this beautiful beach and rest. So if you can imagine, if I'm talking children through this visualization, do you think it's going to be totally quiet? The answer is no, unless you've got maybe tween, teenage, like the 12 and up, they might stay quiet. But um, younger than that, most likely kids are going to start saying out loud, oh, my beach, it's, it's where I go in the summer, or I'm with my family. So they're going to naturally want to tell you that's totally awesome. Before you start, though, maybe encourage them to keep their thoughts to themselves because afterwards we're going to share if we want to. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to stay quiet, but you could just encourage them beforehand to just 
listen and imagine, and I can't wait to hear what you imagine after we're done. They also might be moving around. They might be rolling around, depending on their energy. Um, They start folding up their yoga mat, or they start just talking about something else. That's all okay. We're not looking for perfection in kids' yoga. We are just looking to introduce them to these concepts in a fun, in a warm way that keeps them interested. So remember, like I said in the first episode, kids' yoga is messy. It's not going to look perfect, tied up in a bow. There's going to be unexpected things happening. There's going to be sounds. There's going to be talking. There's going to be laughing. This is all totally normal. Just keep in mind at the end of the day, behind all of this that you're doing and all this preparation you might be making to teach, you are practicing yoga yourself. As you teach, you are practicing yoga yourself. And there's really nothing more powerful than who you are. Children are going to call your bluff, right? They know if you're not being authentic, kids are not having it. So all you can do is bring your authentic self to your class, keeping in mind all these eight limbs of yoga, keeping these in mind when you're prepping for your class, in your daily life, and when you're in the room, just having this in the back of your mind, that yoga is all of these things wrapped up in one. If you found this helpful, or if you just have any questions or ideas, please email me. It's the Kids Yoga Podcast at gmail.com. Also, could you follow me on Instagram? It's the Kids Yoga Podcast. I'll be posting uh, daily photos and some updates there. And if you enjoyed this episode, would you subscribe? It's so helpful. So once you subscribe, the weekly episodes are going to just show up automatically wherever you listen to podcasts. So currently I'm on Apple Podcasts, I'm on Spotify. So wherever it is you're listening, if you subscribe, the episode is going to automatically download each Thursday. It also just helps more people find the podcast the more subscriptions I get. So I really appreciate it. So thank you so much again for listening. I hope you can try out maybe one or two of these ideas I shared. And if you do, would you write to me and let me know how it goes? It starts with us. So let's practice yoga ourselves so we can pass on yoga to children. Thanks for listening. Namaste. This episode was sponsored by my son, Ryan Mujis. Thanks for taking a nice long nap so mommy could record. <laughs>